Good morning, River City fam. Welcome to church. It's snowing outside. We've all been standing at the window, just faces pressed like children. It's so fun. We hope that you're staying warm, bundled up. Um, If you haven't grabbed a blanket, now's your shot. Grab your Bible, grab your friend. Um, We are really excited to dive into worship and a word with you this morning. Um, So I'm going to take just a minute to open us up and read our lectionary passage from the psalm. If you are new to our body, the lectionary is just a collection of passages that is read all over the world in sync with the Christian calendar. So this is a way for us to partner with the global church. So should be on your screen. Feel free to read along. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your salvation to the upright of heart. Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word that brings us life. Thank you for being light in the dark spaces, not only in our own lives, but all across the world. God, wherever we are today, whether it be here in the sanctuary, watching from our living room, sitting in bed with our family, would you meet us in that space today, God? You're worthy of our time and attention, whether we're meeting as a body or whether we're just gathered as a small little family, whether we're by ourselves. Pray for each person watching on live stream this morning that they would be flooded with your peace as the snow falls. Would their attention just be turned to you and would every fear, anxiety, any sort of just crippling thought would just be diminished in Jesus' name. Be with us, God. You're worthy of worship. In Jesus' name. So I just want to take a moment and pray with you all. A little different prayers of the people this morning. I just want to notice that when it snows outside, there's like this strange childlikeness that comes out in all of us. Anticipation and wonder even and this collective ability to push pause no one's getting ahead right now no one's accomplishing a big task and I think it's important to notice that those moments God provides we're thankful for for us to just collectively stop and this morning I want to want to push pause with Jesus and just say thank you for that and so as you're sitting at home looking out your windows some of you it's still snowing on and off it's cold you're with people if you're alone the spirit's presence is present with you and just say thank you Jesus in this time of prayer thank you Jesus that you're you're good when it snows and when it rains and when it's freezing and when it's hot you're good when there's six people in the room and when there's six thousand people in the room You're good right now. And just say thank you for that. And then second, I just want to ask you, God, to build out in us, in these moments, what it is to intercede and pray. 
what it is to be honest about the things we long for but aren't here yet. Teach us what intercession is and how each of us is a part of that. And when we feel frustrated towards the way that things should be and yet they're not, we lean towards and into your presence, God. And we do that together on Sundays and in groups. And we make a choice to say, even though the world around us would say, nothing good can come, we're the people of Jesus that say, all things are being redeemed. And we have hope within us. We have hope even though we can't see it. We know who's there. We know who's waiting in it. And that's you. So as we intercede today for the things of this world, remind us of who you are. Remind us of whose we are. Remind us of what we're called to. Help us to say thanks for every small and large. Help us to be honest about where we're broken. Thank you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, body of Christ, those present and those online. We have two things um, right off the bat, speaking of kind of new seasons and new uh, beginnings. And we have two things we wanted to share with you as a body that relate to either people in our body or staff members. And the first one is Mariah, who preached a message last weekend. If you didn't get to hear that, I would just make sure you go back and listen to that because it was, um, I think it was a very timely and very thankful that she was willing to do it. Um, But so Mariah last year, at the end of the year, stepped off of our staff, which she was running as a part-time job, our service coordination position, because she stepped into a full-time job last year. And so for this year, she's stepping off staff, but still is very much going to be a part of the body in different ways, not so much as point leader over anything, but as a family member and as a child of God and as a sister in the body. And so as you see her and, and understand and that as we grow into the year, it will be great for, um, for her to have some space to just kind of dream again and to kind of settle into her new roles and to just be a member of this body for this year. So that's a, we, we all see that as kind of a celebratable thing, and we're very excited that Mariah was able to kind of think through that and get to that. So we love you, Mariah, if you're watching. You are missed in the role that you were in. Um, if anybody knows Mariah, and everybody knows Mariah, there's only one Mariah, and she's not replaceable, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't try and do that, but... But God can use people in different ways, and so I'm excited to see how he grows and develops her this year. It's going to be cool. And then the second thing is we have some friends that are moving to France or France or um, I'm so I'm still, they're going to come up right now. You guys come up. I'm, I'm going to work through my anger as they walk up. Um, not really angry at all. I would like to share with the body and then give opportunity for you guys to share a little bit about what you're doing. But I just want to speak over you really quickly that um, you're also irreplaceable in this body. Uh, There's nobody like y'all coming in, right? And a couple of the things that I've noticed about you guys are uh, an extreme awareness and empathy towards the staff at a church, which is a unique thing, right? In a consumeristic culture, not many really understand that, but your eyes have, and hearts have always seen into our staff in a way that's nurturing and caring. And 
Um, I, to me, I've felt very blessed by the way that you just live and just are like a part. Um, I see you as River City. Like when I think of this body, I think of you guys. I think you're the kind of people I would love um, to see God develop more people across the planet into as people who are sincerely um, caring about the presence of Jesus and following Jesus and what it looks like to love people like Jesus did out of a heart that's full, not out of kind of a religious uh, have to. And I just want you guys to be blessed as you move to France and that God, that as you get there and there's the opportunity to be like, oh, things aren't happening like they should have, to understand they're going to happen like they should. And to also recognize that we're coming to visit you on multiple occasions. And that's not up for, that's not like up for conversation. We're just going to be there. Uh, and you're opening an invitation to a whole body to come. Everyone is welcome. <laughs> come to Paris. So you guys leave tomorrow. Wow. Okay. So just for a moment, if you guys wouldn't mind sharing how we can pray for you, what it is you're doing, um, and then we'll pray. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, everybody. Um, We've been here since we were really newlyweds five years ago. And through that time, you guys have blessed us tremendously. You welcomed us in. And we've really been shaped by God and by Jesus and our relationship and discipleship with the community. And we are beyond thankful for that. And so just quickly want to encourage you all to continue to love everybody that walks in these doors well and be the light for Jesus that you are. And so um, we left like 16 months ago and went to Gulfport, came back, and I immediately got a job offer in Paris uh, with Delta for two years. And so that's what we're going to do. I'm going to go work for Delta for two years. And my prayer would be that when we plug in um, there, we would plug into the universal body of Christ and have an opportunity to disciple and to shape and to be present in Paris while we're there. And as well that you guys would come to visit. Um, Because I don't see this as us leaving this body, but as kind of an extension of the body of Christ in Paris. And Taylor's good. Covered it all. <laughs> One thing we can pray for you, Taylor. Um, I think that I would just have joy and not worry about like what I need to be doing all the time. And just friendship. Amen. All right. I'm going to pray for you all here. Uh, Jesus, thank you for the white souls. Thank you for how you've created them and how I see so clearly you in them. And I thank you for their humility, and I thank you for their willingness to, as Mary did, say yes um, to you and kind of big adventures. And I pray that they see this as that, as an adventure with you, and that when there's opportunity to worry, that they lean into the spirit that's deposited within them, and that they see the future you're embracing for them. I pray that friendships would be built. I pray, just give them the ability to even learn the language quickly. That'd be great. Um, and then I pray that um, the, there would be a lot of favor at Delta, a lot of connection. And I pray that, um, that you would bring the right people to visit in the right timing when they need support and care. And I pray that they would find a beautiful body there that they can serve and worship with and that you allow it to seem like you're really leading the way in that, but always keep this as a home base. And I thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. We'll miss you. All right, so um, it's ten fifty. I think we're doing good on time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just 
kind of flow into what to me has been, I'm a little disappointed we're not all together today because this message specifically is that message at the beginning of the year that I feel like is also connected to a word God is speaking to me in the inner, kind of inner depths of my soul as something he's asking me to take into the year. And I also um, just really simply believe this is a message for us. And so I'm not going to try and make anything happen except for what I feel God has put on my heart. I want to share from the word as if it's alive and that I don't have to make anything happen. But I am excited you're at least able to be online with us, which is a gift. You know, I thought about how quickly a lot of the churches closed down this past week for this occasion. And the reason that's happening that way is because now we have the means to do this, which we didn't have the last time this kind of thing happened, which I see as a gift, right? Even though we can't gather together, it's snowing outside, it's about to be 32 degrees, maybe we can still worship together. And that's a gift. So God is really kind of developing us in seasons where we want, right? And that's some of the things that come out of waiting and not knowing is this creative kind of spirit and willingness to to do what needs to be done. And so I'm thankful for that today. But I wanted to give you just a quick, here's what's coming kind of broad scale over the next month. So this day and next week is kind of a blend of what I'm calling a vision day and a celebration. It will be a smaller version of what's going to come later in the year, but I want to very clearly share with you all what we're stepping into communally as we all go together, as Shannon was saying. So that's this week and next week, and hopefully next week we're, we're able to gather back together and celebrate. We're going to look back a little bit at last year and, and highlight where we can be thankful. There's a lot of things to be thankful for, and then we're going to share where the body is headed as the staff and Council have prayed, and as we've listened, on the 30th, we're going to continue the conversation that was started last year about racial reconciliation with the backdrop of Acts 2. And so you can start reading that after that, but we'll step into that then. And then on February 6th, this is where we all go together emphasis begins. And it's also Groups Sunday, where you'll hear all of the ETS things, you'll hear all of the other groups, and you'll hear all of the ways that we can gather together as a group and as a Sunday. Our February 6th through May 1st kind of broad emphasis is prayer. So you'll be hearing about prayer in our ETS groups. You'll be hearing about prayer on Sundays. It'll become kind of uh, what the content is as we gather together because we really sense that God is leading us into becoming a people of prayer and becoming people that learn how to intercede more faithfully and learn how to trust as opposed to stepping into doubt. And so you can look forward to that. It's going to be fun. So last week when Mariah preached, I thought she did what, um, she just did a really good job and she put language to one specific thing I've never heard anybody do. And she talked about how at the beginning of the year, it's like the whole world is groaning for revival. And I've never thought of that, but it's true. It's like um, all of us have this ability for some reason at the turn of December into January to kind of rethink how we should do things, a restart, right? We all get fit. Some of us get tan. Some of us get healthy with our eating. Some of us have a plan to read the scriptures within three months, but there's this communal all around the world desire to step in and kind of like revive things. And a lot of times she mentioned that we kind of take the reins by the horns on our own and don't include Jesus in it. So the challenge was, what if you were to stop and slow down and include Jesus in that first portion instead of asking him to kind of be an addendum or a footnote on what is happening? What if he is in that portion? So that means to me, slowing down enough to to be present and listen and be with him and let him speak into our futures and our marriages and our friendships and our jobs and our finances as opposed to just kind of going after it, right? 
And so that to me was very helpful, but it also highlighted for me very quickly how I feel this distance between what should be and what's happening. I always feel it, really, but I feel it especially now, especially in the body of Christ, especially in my relationships, especially as a 44-year-old. One of the things I've learned as you get older, you kind of think when you're younger and you're planning your life out that you'll get married, maybe, you'll get a job, and then just it'll kind of work out in a good way. But as you age, you kind of realize things get a little harder, things deteriorate, right? Our bodies deteriorate, the world around us deteriorates, and so you really have to kind of reframe as you age, and those who age well are able to do that, make peace with how you don't have as, con- as much control over things as you thought. And so I think that's what maturity is. As you mature, you recognize, now I have to learn how to actually be present when things aren't turning out like they looked in the storybook, right? Where at this point, we don't live in a castle yet in our kingdom, but we live in Smyrna, and we struggle to make ends meet, and friendships are good and bad, and our families are not always like you want them to be. That's the world we live in. And I notice for me, when that tension happens, and I feel like I'm here, but I know we need to be here, I sometimes don't know what to do in that space. And I think that's where a lot of times we start to replace the idea of trusting the Spirit with, how can I like make things happen? How can Josh get things done? with the body, with my family, with my actual body? Like, is there a shortcut to not eating dessert? Is that like, is there any way? So I think I wanted to kind of paint that backdrop as we got into this passage today with the idea that our culture is probably most notable for impatience out of anything in our world, right? We are an impatient people. We live in an impatient world. We desire things to come quicker and we don't know how to manage life in the in-between. And so I want to read you Romans 8, 1 through. So the first portion is just kind of to set it up. And then I'm going to preach through one portion. But the first portion is Romans 8, 1 through 17. And I'm going to read it to you in the message version. I don't typically choose that version. But this is kind of to kind of paint a backdrop as to what I'm preaching. So I want you to just lovingly travel along the shores of this passage as if you're walking with Jesus. It's a beautiful passage. You, many of you know this passage. And it says this. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation, the spirit of life in Christ. Like a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote or unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess and struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law, was, the law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. 
Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's actions in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about themselves than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. But in God, but if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you, who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all of the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. That's good. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. So that's the end of 17, correct, Bill? So I just wanted to paint a, just a clear story-like picture of what we're stepping into, that really for this community, at this time, there were a lot of opportunities to doubt the goodness of God. And so Paul is just reminding them, just a simple narrative of this story. Jesus has come, God is Jesus, lived in humanity, and then did that for you and then deposited in you a new spirit that lives within you that now you draw your all from. As opposed to this idea previously that you will do all that you can do to go after these things. So it's a clear kind of opening of you'll either choose the flesh, flesh which is kind of your, your efforts to do life and get it done. And this doesn't even look as sinful as maybe our childhood Sunday school stories told us. This could just look like I'm gonna, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. But God is saying, no, this is the time and the season as you've grown as people who have the spirit of Jesus deposited in them to lean into the spirit which you don't necessarily know how it will get done, but you know the spirit. 
And while things aren't getting done, you're being formed into the adopted sons and daughters of God. Your adoption is doubling down. Your standing with him is being doubled down. Not an end that clearly gets you where you need to go, but a whole new way to be alive. So he's asking them to reframe in in a season for them, which they clearly could have stepped out of it and said, we have to protect ourselves. Clearly this community needed to protect themselves, but Jesus was the one that would do it in ways that he would do it. And so I wanted to paint the backdrop of that as I stepped into what would be our passage for today. And so now I'm going to read you uh, the passage that I believe is kind of for us for this year in some ways. And so, Bill, if you'll pull up up the next part of this story. I'm going to read you from the ESV version now. I don't have any good reason to say that other than uh, I'm preaching from this and I really enjoy this version and I feel like it's clear in some ways. And so roll with me for a minute. Okay. For I consider that sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who was subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, remember what we just talked about, we groan inwardly, even with the Spirit, as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons and daughters. The redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope is that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray, for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us again with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And I love that we're not just doing that one part of this passage, which we all know so well, but we're walking through this. Jesus people having the deposit, being in a hard time learning to trust the Spirit when it would be easier to not trust the Spirit so that they can become the first fruits of the hope of God for a world that doesn't have it. So that to me is beautiful. So I just want to share for a few moments of what I feel like is happening here. This community is asking, he's asking this community to not forget that hope fits where you are. Not resolution, but hope is believing in something you can't see and it's as if you're certain for an inheritance you haven't got yet, right? Hope sees something you can't see as if it's an inheritance you know is coming but is not there yet. And it's constantly surfacing. So this is the part for me that feels like it's connecting to where we all are. So hope is needed at all times for those who aren't living in what they would say is the right end. So for this community, of course, hope looks like not struggling to be alive in a city. For us, it looks like so many things, but it's what's happening between what we sense should be happening, this is what should be happening, and where we are, hope is needed there, and hope is actually a fruit of the Spirit. 
So this is why it's important for a Christian or a believer or a follower who's practicing the way of Jesus to understand that a believer receives the Spirit of God as a deposit. It's, a, it's really genuinely like, here you go, here's this. It's a deposit for what's coming over here, and it's coming over here. It's fully coming over here. But even now, as you don't see it, the deposit is there. And so you're gonna have to learn to lean into that. And the fruit of the Spirit, it's really interesting to me. The fruit of the Spirit is not Uh, overcoming power or the end of all things. It's things that land in a waiting season, all of them. The things that the the Spirit provides for us are things that help while you wait and live in in a not yet satisfied state, like hope, right? Like patience. Patience is not fun, but they're deposited so that when these things happen in us, where we know it's not as it should be, we lean into the spirit. And then it's not just the end to say, no, I trust you, it'll get good. It's then the mature step for the believer to say, the formation that's happening now is actually deeper than what's coming at the end. So for me to just say, I can't wait for this to be over, that's not the end God has. The end God has is now. What's happening and what's being formed in me? Because as soon as I get there, it's another season of waiting. As soon as I get there, it's another season of waiting. You don't reach 50 and all of your dreams come true. You reach more waiting. You reach more strife. You start to see the deterioration of all things. But you've also, if you've walked in the Spirit's power, learned to trust in a much stronger and deeper way so that All creation is being redeemed, but not just because creation is beautiful. It actually says that creation is waiting on the sons of God to surface. What does that even mean? The sons of creation waits for those whom the spirit has been deposited in to recognize that that has happened because that's where you see the faithfulness of God, in the creation of God, in his people. That is the version of this redemption creation continuing to happen. And as the children of God step into that, the world sees the first fruits of what they don't even know how to taste yet. That's good stuff. You know, I thought about, in a lot of ways, what it looks like um, to, to frame this. And I thought clearly about Mary a little bit and about the passage we read, but I also thought about when someone's pregnant. And I love how in this, in this passage, there's three things that's mentioned. And it took me a while to see this, but it's the only thing mentioned three times and there's three different things groaning. So you have creation groaning, which I'll, I would make a noise right now, but I'm not going to. I don't think it'd be comfortable for, I'd, I'd feel uncomfortable. Then you have the humanity groaning or even the sons and daughters of God groaning. And then at the end, you have the spirit groaning. So there's like this collective groaning, which is what surfaces when there's a tension in what is happening and what needs to happen. And we can't really label that. Even the spirit intercedes for us when we don't know how to label it, right? So I think about groaning and I think about that it talks about it's like creation is in birth, it's in labor, and I've not ever been in labor, but I know that if someone, so, so imagine if someone was pregnant, but didn't know what pregnancy was, didn't know what childbirth was, didn't know that a child was coming, how would they explain the experience of pregnancy? It would not be a joyful experience, right? It would be like all the reasons pers- someone needed to receive, receive help instantly. But then you have someone who understands what's happening, who understands what pregnancy is, who understand that there's a baby coming. And so the longing for the baby, typically, mostly, supersedes the longing for this suffering to end. 
So there's this like thing you're leaning into that actually elevates itself above the thing that you need to stop. So it's like this intermingled suffering and hope because you know what's coming, right? And this is what it's like for the follower of Jesus, I think, to deal with things that are not as they should be. This doesn't mean that we're, we're to pretend like it's not as it should be. We've been through seasons of Christianity as, a, as an American church where that's been a value. Pretend things aren't bad, smile, don't, don't share what's actually broken. And so that we, we kind of know the end of that, that's not healthy and it's not helpful. So how does a Christian be honest about, well, this is not how it should be, right? My relationship with this person or whatever, it's not how it should be. What does the groaning begin to look like there with hope? And that hope that can be replaced with hopelessness if we don't know whose we are, whom we, whom we are, and what we're called to, that hope can be replaced with hopelessness like that if we don't truly believe that Jesus is good and that he's going to provide. But if we know that we know what he says and promises, we know that in the groaning, we can trust that in some way, seeable and unseeable, the the spirit of God is birthing something, is birthing something in us, and that birthing so far supersedes the pain and the struggle that we lean into it as the people of God, trusting. As Mary stood on the doorstep with Elizabeth, and they shared their joy about what was coming when they could have been sharing all of the things that could have harmed them, and there were many, they leaned into the pregnancy trusting the spirit of God has shown me this. The spirit of God, Jesus is in me. And I believe, this is where it gets kind of funky, as we lean into the belief that Jesus has and is in us, Jesus grows in us. Communally and singularly like Jesus was growing in Mary. Jesus was actually growing in Mary. And then all of a sudden one day, the dream comes true. And the dream is birth of baby Jesus. And it's, we all know the story. But it's not stopping there. Because think about for her what happened then. Now she's giving birth and now we have to flee. And now I have to trust Jesus. Not, it wasn't just trusting for this. This was about trusting so that I could learn how to trust. Oh, it's not just for the answer. And then once you get there, it's trusting Jesus. Now with 30 years of how are you even, how, how do you even mom Jesus? Like, I can imagine the conversation she was having. Like, how do I even, this is God. And then trusting Jesus so much and you've grown even that much more and seeing his ministry. And then one day sitting with him and realizing as you stand at a distance and watch him on a cross, now having to trust much differently. That trusting God for Jesus now meant that this Jesus is for all humanity and not just for me. But the pain of that and the longing of that needed to be deepened for the work to be that much broader. But this wasn't happening at the beginning. She wasn't ready for it. This is what comes through a life of faithfulness in Jesus. And the Spirit is showing us where to trust Him. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you, where are you groaning? That's the end route to where He's building trust, not just so He can answer that prayer, but because that's building out something you don't even understand yet. You don't even have the wherewithal to put language to it. But the Spirit's groaning when you don't know how to pray for yourself, and I don't usually know how to pray for myself. I got to the point last year where my prayer was literally (laughs) help. And I would put an exclamation point and I'd just be like, a lot of silence happening. 
This year, I've started to, I've, I've stepped into a season of Thanksgiving with him. So I, yesterday, I was really, really thankful for a few things. I actually wrote them down. My kids, spending time with them, um, had a really good dinner, just simple stuff. But sometimes we don't even know how to put words to what's happening. We just feel the longings. But, but listen, it says the Spirit is interceding for us right now. That's happening in each of the 11 people in this room and all of you online. And it's interceding in connection with God the Father who has a will for us. So you have to, you have to keep that in mind when you're groaning. God the Father has a will for you. And the Spirit is interceding that those things come to fruition. So for you to just be like, I'd love to hear what y'all are talking about, but I think I can do this, is you stepping into that flesh that it was talking about and you deciding, I think I can just fix this. I think if I just create this, it just fix it. And he's saying, no, this is not a time to fix. This is a time to trust. And if you can trust, you'll see things come to fruition that will blow your mind, that will call for more trust in you, and that will make you more dependent on Jesus. The goal will not be for you to disconnect when birth happens. The goal at that point is, oh my gosh, now I gotta protect this little baby Jesus. I gotta protect him and help him grow like we do. We foster the Jesus that is deposited in us by the Spirit, but we're not devoid of meaning and purpose while we wait. And honestly, like, if we can't make peace with waiting, we will always be waiting on peace. You have to be able in the unsettled, unanswered things to say, I can enjoy being with 11 people here. And I'll just be honest with you all, and I love our body. I've enjoyed being with these 11 people today so much. It has been joy from the time I walked in to now. We have to make peace with waiting, but we can't wait to enjoy life, right? To, to follow Jesus. Or you're always just gonna be looking for this thing that's never coming. One of my prayers for this year for myself is that I would be present in each area and enjoy life. I typically don't enjoy life because there's always something that can be better. But when I choose to trust the Spirit, I feel fluttery like a, like a child saying, I trust you, Papa. Let's go on an adventure. When I don't choose to, to lean into the Spirit, I start choosing these things that always lead me to a place of despair. It's like when we don't want to trust the groanings to Jesus and that the Spirit's interceding, it's like we abort. And that's not helpful because it brings pain that's unwanted. So Jesus is saying, just stick with me in this, right? Like, and while you're sticking with him in it, what can be fostered in your sphere of people? There's a, there's a couple people to love in your life right now. There's a couple people to learn how to listen to. There's a couple people who you know what you could pray for right now that you don't have the answer for that could happen. There's a couple people you could enjoy a, a coffee date with and just kind of be there and not worry about work or what's happening. There's a couple people in our body who are sick right now. The Spirit of God still wants to work in you, right? We pray for healing, but you don't have to miss all of life until that happens. How do we become a people present while we're waiting? The Spirit is the deposit of what's to come, and the Spirit has been deposited in each of us. I'm, I'm banking on that this year. Did not mean to connect deposit and bank, but I'm gonna go with it. I am banking on this has to be real, and for this to be real, it says the Spirit is in me. I'm not even gonna question that anymore. I'm just gonna be like, if that's true, here's what I'm leaning into today. I'm gonna sit with my kids and just enjoy the time with them instead of worrying that these other things aren't gonna happen. 
I think it's time for the body of Christ to not be robbed. To not be robbed or, or be wooed into a way for us to get back to our kind of like, let's roll our sleeves up and get this done and just trust the spirit of God. Not a laziness, but a peace, right? Progress is not always good. And that's what Americans do, I think. Western culture is optimistic because we can always pretty much figure something out. But joy and patience isn't built through that. It's built through trusting in the spirit of God within us and trusting that we are not the author of our stories, our city stories, our family stories. So what does it look like to foster space with Jesus and community? That's what I'm going after this year. Come what may, foster space with Jesus and community. And so... For me, that's gonna look like for you guys and for me in the next season to really kind of lean into a couple things. For me, if I don't have a smaller group of people gathered around Jesus where, I, where we at least verbally make known we're really kind of leaning into Jesus and need his guidance through the Spirit's power and a gathering that reframes what our culture tells us that Jesus is king and he has lordship and we are in his kingdom and we would like him to be in the kingdom. And that's what I think Sundays do. They reorient the story of Christ for us, sometimes through things that we don't enjoy, sometimes through things that so much feed us, but there's no replacing those two things for me. And I would go as far to say this, or why am I even living in the way that I am, leading what I'm leading? That the body of Christ corporate and a smaller group of people around Christ are irreplaceable. If you'd like to call that smaller group spiritual friendship, small group, connection, discipleship group, D group, A group, B group, whatever you want to call it, ETS group, um, whatever. I just don't see the possibility of fostering the kind of awareness to a spirit that's trying to guide us without spaces that beat the amount of time I spend on Netflix or on Instagram or looking at baseball equipment online, which I do. And then I don't see a replacement for the gathered saints. And it can be argued that could happen in a living room. It can be argued that could happen in a cathedral. This is how we're doing it here because we have conviction that it matters. And so for the next season, for three months, February 6th to May 1st, we're asking the whole body to take a step into what this looks like so that we know who we are. And I mean by that like Bill, Jessica, Becca. Like what would it look like for the body to know the body, right? So we're asking you all to step into the spaces that foster a desire, a hunger, and a thirst for the things of the kingdom of Jesus, which don't come when we just do it on our own. So thank you, Martin Luther, original one, less popular one, for deciding to allow us to have access to the word away from the gathering, because it needed to happen at that time, but help us to be reacclimated to the gathering of the saints, Small or big, it means something. It reorients us. It reforms us. So we're asking you to lean into that this year. And you can pull up the vision of why here. And I just want to share this with you. So this is kind of the idea. We all go together. Each person's presence and buy-in to the largest gathering and groups matters. Because of that, we're asking that each member make this a priority for the next three months, starting February 6th. No matter your stage of faith, your age, whatever, step more deeply into the body and get a clear picture of the doorway that Sundays and groups are. And I already know that that's triggering for some people that have come from churches that have abused and decided to build their own kingdom. We're not trying to build our own kingdom here. 
And I open myself up to Jesus and the Spirit to convict me and cleanse me and heal me when that happens. I would like to see what the body of Christ could look like in Smyrna if it were united together. Without a famous person on stage to make us come, or without fog to make it seem like we're competing with AMC, just people under Jesus. Like, what can happen? I kind of think the things that'll happen will look more like adoption than, you know, claiming this city for Jesus. I think it'll look more like, oh, like I understand what it's like to walk and encourage Taylor and Ryan and Shannon. I understand what it's like to speak into Myra's calling when I understand how God has wired her and how to encourage her when she feels like she's struggling. And I understand that for Jordan, what does it look like? Did personal like, time means something for him? I understand that. Now I'm gonna reach out to him and be like, let's have coffee. All of these things happen, and when they happen under Christ's headship, it's, it becomes something we couldn't have done or even thought. And so... If you'd like to come up, Jordan. Jordan has mentioned his favorite time in service is leading the doxology. I thought about doing an ensemble with all the people in the room up here. Still can, yeah, just maybe all of us like, I, I almost did that, but. I just wanna share with you all, really take note of where your tensions lie right now. Take note of what groaning is happening and don't just discard it or flee from it. That's a great space to have a conversation with your Father and the Spirit and just kind of listen in. Create some space to be at peace in the presence of Jesus through the power of the Spirit drawing you in, always wanting to draw you into the presence of Jesus. The Spirit's work is always revealing Jesus. That's a sign if it is the Spirit's work. And in Jesus' presence, letting Him and the Spirit minister to you because they're already interceding the will of God for you. That's so beautiful, so relieving. So don't just go at it yourself this year. What, what if you have a divine collaboration with the Trinity about who you are, whose you are, and what you're called to? What if you step deeper into the body and you get past that historical brokenness or that worry and you step in and you start to sense more of a community than you've ever been a part of. But you don't get to even think that far. You just get to trust Jesus. And, and we're gonna do that. So Jesus, we, we trust you and we thank you that you're always moving and breathing, that you're always revealing, and that you're always growing us, God. We're the sign to all creation of the redemption of God. All creation waits for us to step into our sonship. And the Spirit is deposited as a first fruits of a whole inheritance to come. Thank you for that. We definitely need it. We'd be lost, confused, building our own kingdoms without that. And we'd be abusing people and trusting false governments without that. And we'd be fighting people instead of turning the other cheek. Wow, we would just want to become great leaders instead of becoming disciples. So we just thank you that your Spirit's leading us in those directions into all humility so that one day we have to give our callings up completely for the sake of the world. Wow, what would, what would it be like to be that humble, to take the very thing you birthed in us, the very thing that we fostered for 30 years and said, this is now not even for you. It's for you and for all. Oh, wow the obscurity in that. How cleansing would that be? 
We thank you that we can trust you today and we lean in, God. And we sing these words at home and here with full hearts, trusting your Spirit's power. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Sing again. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So as we're wrapping up this morning, I know we've sung this song um, a lot. It sounds different in this sanctuary without you guys. Um, I would just like to sing this over you guys. So if we could just have a moment of pause. Um, I'm going to sing this on our behalf this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, sing this together. Amen. We sing Thank you, Jesus, for your presence wherever we are. Thank you for meeting us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your joy that gives us strength. Thank you for snow, whether it sticks or not. We love you, Jesus, and you're so worthy of our time and attention this morning. All God's people said, amen. You ain't got to go home, but you should already be there. So if you are at home, go outside. It's beautiful. We love you. Service is over, but church is not. Go be salt and light in your city today. See ya. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.